0: You're listening to The Revenue Playbook. Join top sales reps and leaders as they share exactly what it takes to go from cold to close.
1: All right. So today I'm sitting down with the CRO of Divi. Um, I've been a fan for a while. I think like three or four years that I've just been watching you guys without you knowing. Um, But I'm sitting down with the CRO, Sterling Snow, um, who's the VP of Marketing or was the VP of Marketing there and then is now the chief revenue officer. And then for those of you who don't know, Divi is an expense management platform recently acquired by Bill.com for 2.5 billion. So I think without further ado, like welcome to the show. Uh, Sterling.
0: Thanks. Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to chatting.
1: Yeah. So I mean you've done what uh, many startups uh, have failed to do. I would say like, what, like 99% of uh, startups fail. Um, and you've, uh, you know, not only succeeded at, at Divi, but hit that uh, unicorn status um, with the, the 2.5 billion acquisition. So really what I want to get into is how you did that. Um, and what people think about is, uh, you know, is, is the money and the sales game, but not necessarily like, revenue as a whole. And revenue as a whole now like includes CS. You were just talking about taking the CS team like out to Vegas, right? Like you talked about like investing early in CS. So CS being part of the revenue team, marketing being part of the revenue team, sales being part of the revenue team, and um and, and the CRO's role typically is to kind of align all of those and to to align the The revenue team to um, like each other to stick around and but also like help drive revenue, right? So, um, what I wanted to talk about is um, your role. Um, So, first off, like, how do you define um, CRO, like a chief revenue officer, and like, how does it look at Divi? What are your responsibilities?
0: Yeah, they look very similar to what you described. So for us, the the big thesis that we started out with five years ago was if we have one person responsible for marketing, sales, implementation, customer success, customer support, and revenue operations, we were going to be able to eliminate a lot of friction and grow a lot faster. So that's that's been my mandate uh, as CRO of Divi is marketing, sales, customer success, customer support, and then revenue. Uh, Revenue new operations to kind of make it all go, but yeah, that's that's uh, how we define it here.
1: Nice. Okay. And then prior to joining Divi, you were a director at Mark, uh, director of marketing and sales. But you have a lot of uh, marketing experience. So, yeah. do you think that that marketing experience gave you more empathy for for the marketing department and the sales department? Do you think it made you a better CRO?
0: Yeah. Good question. Um, I think it it gave me a really good perspective because. Five years ago, when when we started working and thinking like this, it wasn't super common to have one person in charge of everything. It was much more common to have standalone departments. And I think coming from marketing, you really see very quickly that you can generate all the demand or focus on whatever you want from a marketing perspective. But if you're not closely aligned with sales, what they need, what they want, it doesn't Translate into anything. There's no bottom line. There's no moving the needle. There's no increase in, in revenue or anything like that. So I do think coming from marketing really imprinted for me the importance of alignment. And full funnel and which metrics and, you know, all of those types of things. And that's the same philosophy that you have in in all of your handoffs, right? From marketing to sales, from sales to implementation, from implementation to customer success. So, yeah, I think that that experience definitely helped and provided a skill set that was useful when we joined all those departments together.
1: Nice. What, uh, what would you say is like the responsibility of each of those three departments that you are responsible for? So, you know, the responsibility of sales, CS, and marketing. What do you expect? Yeah.
0: You? it's really interesting for us. We talk a lot about it, this is like a maybe semantics a little bit, but this is how we think about it. We say, Hey, we don't have a sales team. We don't have a marketing team. We have revenue teams. And within that revenue team, There are people who are responsible for marketing, people who are responsible for sales and and so on, but, you know, you're part of a revenue team first and foremost, and that kind of aligns mentally with with how we want people to think about it. Um, But each department does have their own special role to play. So marketing first and foremost is about generating demand and making sure that you generate demand in a way that actually converts. Sales' primary job is to convert that demand. But again, that's a partnership, right? That's a two way street. And once sales converts the demand, it's the implementation team's job to implement and get people using, right? Usage really is is our North Star because Divi, we're 100% free. Um, We're a corporate card. So we make money when you swipe that corporate card. And so usage, again, provides an opportunity to really make sure that you're aligned because if you mess up one of those handles there's no software subscription fee to fall back on right so implementation is about getting you getting you started with the usage but that's a shared role with with sales and, and sales is responsible for selling in such a way that gets people wanting to get up and, and transacting with us. And then customer success, primary responsibility is long-term retention, NRR, growth, quarter over quarter, month over month. And again, that's that, that ties into implementation and how were they set up and how were they trained and all that good stuff. So those are the primary responsibilities for each of the functions but they're all partnerships, and we comp people as such. Um, you're always comped and measured and bonused off of what happens not only at your primary stage of the funnel, but also the one that comes directly after you. So sales not only are you comped on a new business target, but also on the usage that happens in the first 90 days. So and so that's that's an easy example of a what departments have, which responsibilities, and B, how we measure and and compensate based off of those.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of unusual um, with the the sales side, right? Of like being comped on um, not only like uh, bringing in the customer, closing that customer, but is that a good customer? Are they going to translate to actual usage and actual revenue for us, right? Like it's not just getting them in the door, but it's um, um, retaining them too. Um, So comping on that, was that something that you always had or that you recently... Um, implemented.
0: No, that, we've, we've, that's we've that been the thesis from the very beginning, um, that if you're measuring what matters, you're compensating off of that, you're going to go a lot faster. So, I credit a lot of our success to some of that early alignment. We've had many, many tweaks along the way, uh, but, but yeah, that's something that we believed on very early on in our journey here at Divi.
1: Nice. Okay. So on CRO, like the definition in general and your approach to it, do you think that, um, a former, uh, director of marketing or head of marketing is typically like the best fit for that role? Or do you think, uh, it could, it can be a head of sales. It could be a head of CS. Like, uh, do you think it just depends on the organization? What, what do you think, uh, is the best fit for that role?
0: Yeah, I think it can be any any of those roles. Honestly, like I and I think about our team here. You know, we've got our head of marketing, head of sales, head of success. I think any of them could do could do my job, right? Um, because when you're in this kind of a system and you spend that much time aligning and working with folks from other disciplines, at the end of the day, you're you're trying to drive revenue and and independent of sort of where you came up. I think that. I think that you are capable of overseeing the whole thing depending on the person in the company, right Now I do think that your skill set varies a little bit, right? If you come up through marketing, for example, you typically have like a, a bias for the systems, the processes, the the scalability, stuff like that. so those will be your strengths. but maybe you're not as good on like let's let's say culture or motivation or some of those softer things, right? And, you know, if you come from customer success, you'll have different strengths and different weaknesses. So I think any, any of those functions can mature and eventually become a CRO over the whole thing, but you have to be very aware of, of any of, any of the gaps that you might have and make sure that you have a, a team that can compensate for that.
1: Nice. I think that, uh, actually works well into this next question. So, um, what do you need to align the revenue team, right? Like it's both the skill sets maybe that you need like as a CRO, um, but kind of like those systems in place to be able to get everyone kind of working on the same page. Yeah. So I I do think that
0: buy-in is is incredibly important. If you're trying to run a holistic all-in-one kind of function, you have to buy in that the ultimate success is, is the revenue that drops to the very bottom line after it goes through everybody. And okay, we're all aligned on that. Great. Now let's measure which parts of that we impact at our stage of the funnel. So I think that having the the skill set around, around prioritization, around the right metrics, around the right comp plans, around hiring the right kind of people, recruiting the kind of people who want to be in that environment. I think that those are the primary skill sets because it's, it's definitely not, not for everybody, right? If you if you came up and you worked for 30 years in an organization where marketing was standalone reported to a CMO on the exec team, it, it'll be really hard for you to now start to interface with not only ahead of sales, but also ahead of customer success. Not only be responsible for the demand at the top of the pipeline, but also be responsible for the the net retention goals that are shared with a customer success person. So yeah it uh it definitely isn't for for everybody, but depending on how you recruit, how you align, how you tell that vision, that story, I think all those end up being the biggest skill sets that that you need to have to be successful
1: all right so when so when you're first getting started uh, and did you start as uh, as head of marketing when you first joined?
0: I did yeah okay. uh-huh.
1: Okay. So, so you started as a head of marketing and then at some point moved into the CRO role. I don't know what the team looked like at that point in terms of the the revenue team, but how did you either build or shape the revenue team that you had?
0: Yeah. So um, we didn't really have much of a, a team when I joined. We were just you know a handful of employees some founders. It was before we'd raised any money or anything like that. So um, we started working on generating the demand, right? And as soon as we felt comfortable generating the demand, that's when we started to scale the the sales reps and all the supporting functions, the implementation, the customer success, because those are all relatively metric driven, right? Add this many customers, you need this many folks to implement them, you need this many folks to to make sure that, that you have enough coverage on customer success. So we started at the top of the funnel. And then worked our way down, right? Just making sure that that we were as scalable as we could be and as buttoned up as we could be. Again, we're a usage-based product. And so we had a lot of really tough learnings about how do you sell something that's free and how do you get somebody to use something that they haven't paid for and how do you get them to fall in love with it and use it more and more and more every single month? Um So the the biggest thing I think we got to do early on was focus the team on usage, the ultimate driver of our revenue. So everyone's focused on what is the usage? We call it spend, right? So every day, and especially in those early days, just how much spend did we get? How many customers are spending? How many new customers did we add that are are now going to transact? And that that's That DNA has is, is stayed with us because when our customers are using the product, they're getting value from it. They're happier. So it very much aligns us with that customer. But that's something that started early on that really shaped, um, shaped who we are today.
1: Yeah, and you and you keep touching on usage, and I think one thing that's important to point out for folks is like even if you're not comped on usage, or even if that's not what drives your revenue, is that that is what's going to drive like retention uh, and like stability for your business, right? Like if if I'm not using your product um, for the entire year, like the chances of me renewing that project or probably probably pretty low. Right. And so yeah. regardless of whether or not it's directly tied to revenue, it's always tied to revenue, um, to, to some degree. Yeah. So focusing no on that early.
0: No doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you're not using a product, you're not getting any value out of it. Right. So, um, yeah, agree wholeheartedly with what you said.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to point out too, is you, you talked about at first you were just focused on, on driving demand. you Here's a handful of like employees and you are driving demand, um, but really, what you're talking about then is like product market fit, right? Like you're you're working on like that product market fit. You're making sure that like there is demand for for the the product, and you can prove that there's demand before you like build out the systems to scale that, right? And so yeah. I want I just want to call that out because I think that's an important uh, way to scale. Because sometimes um, we just like jump on. Um, the, the money, right? Like if someone's uh, off- offering us, um, uh, uh, a bunch of money and the investors are like, are handing out, handing out money, but you haven't quite like nailed that product market fit or like proven that demand, um, then, uh, it's hard to scale. Like it's hard to scale something that you don't know how, um, how it works to begin with that you haven't made a repeatable system. So you built on the the early demand and you put the systems in place to, to kind of like scale that. Um, so just wanted to recap that for folks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's well said. Like if you don't understand how to how your funnel works at every stage. Like, how do we drive more demand? If we had more money, how could we do it? If you don't know how your funnel performs, more money doesn't solve that. It can help you test and and iterate faster, stuff like that, which is nice, but it doesn't solve the problem for you. So, uh, yep, I, I think that's well said.
1: Nice. Okay. So I want to dig into just Divi, like as, as an example. So you were, um, were you, were you sales led product led to start? Like talk to me about your, um, go to market motion.
0: (sighs) Yeah. Um, as far as being product or, or sales led, I think that we kind of went in different phases. Um, I think that particularly early on, we were relatively revenue led. And then as time went on, we want, you want to be more product led. The more product led you are, the easier everybody's life is, right? Um, and and, and product led growth is certainly a, a common thing that gets thrown around in our space, which is cool. Um, but yeah, we were, we probably had, some some different uh, phases throughout throughout our time here at Divi and then you know our our go-to market has I mean it's it's uh, it's been standard it's relatively straightforward like we worked on inbound from the demand standpoint, all the way through customer success. Then we built outbound. Then we worked on channel, right? We have banking and and accounting channel partnerships and folks that that sell and implement it on our behalf. So we really went to market on the backs of those three different things in in that order. Um, You know, segmentation becomes an important part of any go-to-market. One thing that if we could start over, we we would do sooner is make sure that we had a self-serve mechanism for the smaller customers. Cause Divi's we have customers with one employee, and then we have customers with 25,000. So we, we built a self-serve, Function and we could point and segment our marketing and sales efforts on on the larger customers that drove more value for us. So you know that's that was a change in our go-to-market. That if we could do it over again, we'd probably do sooner. But yeah, that's kind of how how we were led and how our go-to-market started and evolved.
1: Nice. Okay. Um, And this is like this is a fun one. So like the the big bets, like the big bets that you took uh, early on, whether it's on like the marketing side or the or the sales side. Uh, just what were like some, some big kind of like out there bets that you took that really ended up paying off? You know,
0: the, the stories that come to mind are from the early days when you're really scrappy. That's, that tends to be when some of those crazy bets get made. Um, one, one thing I remember doing back then is we had a big local uh, tech conference where there was going to be, you know, tens of thousands of people and we didn't have enough money for like a booth or anything. Um, so we got one of our, our sales folks to dress up in this super purple suit with the cowboy hat and we duct taped uh, $2 bills to him. Just, I remember, you know, going to the bank and getting a couple hundred bucks worth of $2 bills and we called him the cashback cowboy. And, you know, he went around giving out $2 bills and talking about people who, who wanted to do a demo of. Of Divvy, right? And uh, ironically, we we ended up getting some customers and stuff from that, which was awesome. But there was also an investor there who ended up being crucial in our in our Series A round. So you know that that was one of those things that you do when you're you're scrappy and you're hungry and, and you're trying to just figure it out, but you don't have all the big budget that you might have in the world. Um, so anyway, that's that's one that that jumps out right off the bat.
1: Yeah it's funny like I I've heard like similar stories uh from uh SaaS companies that have grown where it's like this idea of like hijacking the conference right where you might not have enough money for for a booth, um, or a big booth, but, um, one that like our, um, former like VP of marketing would tell was, uh, the banana stand. So like, uh, someone setting up like a little tiny, like a uh, banana stand from arrested development at a booth, like rather than, uh, rather than like a full booth, like they just, uh, <laughs> they just, uh, uh, made their own, uh, squatter kind of like real estate there. Um, and you know, took over, like took over. That was the only thing that people were talking about. Right. So it's not about like money. It's about like creativity usually when it comes down to it. Uh, Okay. So product market fit, kind of going back to this, um, when did you know that you had it?
0: When did we know that we had product market fit? You know, there was a day that, that I remember we were doing a lot of, we were doing a lot of testing, right? And trying to figure out where our audience lived and how we could how we could position Divi, which is this corporate card that automates expense management. So you don't have to do expense reports anymore and and does budgets and spend management. We're trying to figure out how to educate the market on what that was. And I remember we did sort of a paid placement in uh, one of the, one of the big business newsletters. And, and we did that and it, it actually, it was because we didn't have any money. It ran on a Sunday, which, you know, was like super weird to run in their Sunday newsletter. And my, my alerts for new leads, we were using HubSpot at the time just started going crazy. So on this random Sunday morning, you know, we had 200, 300, something like that demo requests. And that was the moment where I felt like, okay, like we've got it. And we're, we're off to the races here and we've got, we've got that product market fit. We've got people who are interested. We've got demand and okay, now it's time to pour gas on this thing and and figure out how to get as big as we can as fast as we can. That, that was the moment I felt like we had it. And that was, that would have been like late, late 2016, something like that.
1: Man, that's a, that's a great story. Like that's a, yeah. I can only imagine like seeing that like on, on your phone, like them like pouring yeah. in like that. Uh, it like, was very,
0: it. very cool. And then our, our company Slack channel, cause again, it's so small that everyone was going like, what is happening? What's going on? And, uh, it was a lot of fun. That was, that was a good day for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably some people being like, is this spam? Like what's, what's yeah.
0: going on? Yeah. right. And we're like, no, those are, those are prospects. Call them, demo <laughs> them, close them, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Well then this is kind of like all converging into this idea of like, what do you think were some of the biggest like factors in, you know, Divi becoming a unicorn? Like uh, I imagine it's a lot to do with the convergence of like all of those three parts of like the um, the revenue team, right? Like the CS uh, marketing sales, all kind of like working together. But to you, like what, what are the big factors that stand out?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't say it enough. Founders founders have like this sixth sense for what markets need and want. Right. And so I think you look at Blake and Alex and and when they had the original idea and and built the original product like that, you don't, you don't get it without that. Right. So us becoming a unicorn definitely starts there. Um, And then I think that, we just had a huge TAM and a huge tailwind. Like people, are like yeah, why do I have a corporate card over here that doesn't talk to my expense report over there? Like people, it was it was definitely a product innovation. We had the price innovation because nobody else could give it away for free. We're giving away everything for free. Um, so we had a pr- we had a, a great initial product insight. We had pricing innovation. We had product innovation. And then, like you said, I think that that we put together a team that was very much focused on fast, efficient growth and, and basically a, a bunch of people on the team who just refused to lose ever. So we're growing like crazy every single month. Uh, And, you know, put all put all that together and and you have recipe for for something very fun. And that's that's what happened to Divi. And as far as I've been able to tell in B2B software, nobody's been able to have an exit bigger than Divi's at the at the two and a half in a shorter amount of time It's about three years product in market. And then I, I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a testament to all of those things. Yeah, Founder insight, uh, pricing innovation, product innovation, and then really, really good team to go out and, and execute against that raw material.
1: Right. Like the the fact that it's it's never one thing, right? It's like a, a combination of things that like- Well, you can get lucky, long. right?
0: Like there's a timing element, there's a this, there's a that, and you know, luck's a big part of it too. Anyone who tells you otherwise is dumb or lying, right? So, so, um, but yeah, those were, I think the things that we could control and did control along the way.
1: Nice. Okay. So, so once you had the, the product market fit, um, you came in, like you're aligning you're the revenue team. I'm curious, just like tactically how you're able to like hand off from, you talked about like marketing, creating demand, right. And then like handing that over to sales. Was there like a process or anything that you figured out of like how to improve that handover process and then kind of same thing from like sales to cs like so that nothing like fell through the cracks
0: yeah the big thing to do to make sure that as little as possible falls through the cracks is to make make those make people care about the same thing and that all that's like the comp plans and the way that you're promoting and bonusing and paying people and all that stuff so if marketing is comped and measured off of not just like converted ops, MQLs, SQLs, something like that. They're converted. They're they're comped off of converted opportunities, and converted opportunities lives below the fold of marketing and into sales. Well, then all of a sudden, like they pay attention to a lot of that stuff. You build the right systems. You build the right smoke alarms. You understand when things haven't been touched within ten minutes. All that good stuff. So it's really about about building those those incentives for folks to care about, about what you need them to care about. And you can do the same, that same ideology carries through independent of where the handoff occurs in the funnel.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it goes back to what you said about even like sales, then being like comped on what uh, is typically thought of as like CS metrics. Right. And the fact that Basically, what you're saying is there are no CS metrics, there are no sales metrics, there are no marketing metrics, like it's all, it's all revenue. Uh, And if you're, if you're thinking about it that way, um, then you're going to make sure that those like those steps happen correctly, um, or else you don't get paid, or you don't get uh, paid uh, what you'd like to.
0: Yep, love that.
1: Nice. So uh, what uh, advice would you give then to um, a CRO at maybe an early stage company, you know, looking to kind of replicate what you've done or, you know, do their own version of it?
0: Yeah, I would say start at the top of the funnel and work down. Like I think there's a big temptation a lot of times to just go out and, and hire sales reps or try and figure out outbound or whatever. And those things aren't wrong necessarily, but life is a lot easier for you if you can figure out inbound first and it cause, cause you can control inbound. It's efficient. It's, it's uh, much better. So I would say start at the top of the funnel and work your way down. Cause if you're trying to build out a massive sales team and you haven't figured out how to drive demand, you're just, you're signing up for future problems. Um. So like start at the top of the funnel, work your way down, uh, invest in revenue operations and enablement and those things that make everyone within the function better. That's a learning for me. And then just constantly be working on aligning the incentives, aligning the incentives. Is, is it better for the, the company? Is it better for the customer? And is it better for the employee, right? And when you can say yes to all of those, then make those types of changes, right? But always be aligning the incentives and the structures over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, that would be those would be my biggest pieces of advice there.
1: Nice. okay. well, I'm gonna try and recap some of this uh, for folks, but mainly just for for myself. So um, when I'm asking about like uh, alignment, like what I'm what I'm hearing is um, incentives, right? like uh, <laughs> if you if your incentives are aligned with the goal that you want to hit, um, then you'll get alignment. It'll, it'll naturally happen. Uh, but then there's also this element of hiring the right people. Um, but, uh, but also making sure like those people want to stay that you're setting them up for success. And you, you do that by having product market fit that you're, uh, ahead of time, uh, they're bringing people into, so it's not, it's not like an uphill battle, um, but they have some momentum, you know, behind it. But then also the thing that you mentioned, uh, before we started this call, which was, you know, that you took, you're taking out your CS team, um, uh, to, to Vegas you're taking out, you know, different members of the team and having experiences with them and really like investing, uh, in your team. So, uh, it's, you know, it's the people, uh, but it's like the incentives, uh, as well. And, uh, and then it's just a matter of like systematizing, um, what you've already done on a small scale.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great recap. Nice.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you again for, for taking the time and, uh, walking me through, um, how Divi got to be a unicorn and just the role of a CRO and, um, yeah, hope to chat soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to the revenue playbook for more sales playbooks, head over to
1: dually.ai.